You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As always, it is Drew here, joined by Josh and Connor to catch you up on a wild week of Major League Soccer and International Soccer because it has been a week. Had a lot of MLS going on, Some I think we had some midweek games, and we had a lot going on between Olympics, Gold Cup, which we will get to soon. But before we get into that, Josh, how has coaching, teaching, all the ings that you do, how's life been treating you the past several, seven days? I assume you've played soccer, maybe scored a couple bangers here and there, but how has the past week been treating you? Yeah, this this past week has been good. It's been busy. Uh, Saturday was my first day off in 10 days from working and teaching and, and all that stuff. So Saturday was fun because I I got to... Now, granted, I still woke up at 6.30 in the morning to go play soccer, but Such that's fun idiot. to me. That's fun to me. So, and I, who I wakes to, up that early for yeah, soccer? I had to clarify that because I knew Connor was going to say something. <laughs> um, I have I have not been scoring, unfortunately. I'm in a bit of a, a slump right now. I'll say um, it's okay. You're holding out like Harry Kane for the Manchester City transfer. I wish I was doing that. By the way, as a Spurs fan, I really wish they would give Kane what he wants because he's given everything to the club. But that's a that's a that's a uh, discussion for another day. Um, but I wanted to say last week, and Drew, you're not here anymore, or right now, I should say. And obviously, Connor, you're up north. But last week, the air here in Georgia got real bad. I want to say probably because of the wildfires in California, if I had to guess. But a combination of that and the heat and humidity we were experiencing, uh, it was brutal. And I was struggling playing pickup last Wednesday night. Like, I mean, breathing hard, uh, just dying. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe it's because I haven't been playing as much as I, I normally do. No, it turns out we were in a uh, air quality alert and the peak like horribleness of the air was while we were playing soccer. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. Maybe I'm not so crazy. Maybe I'm not as out of shape as I thought I was. So it was um, it was pretty rough. That was the slowest soccer game I've ever been a part of. But yeah, I mean, I, I had a relaxing weekend. Week was good. Um, it was fun to watch the U S I've it's, it's nice to have a soccer team of mine. That's good. <laughs> Cause it's not oh, Atlanta it's United. Been it's such a long Spurs. time since that's happened, Josh, such a long time. You, you can relate Connor. Don't tell me you're not sad about Toronto FC, even though they've been to three of the last five MLS cups or whatever it is. Don't lie. As soon as Chris Armas destroyed that team, you got sad again, <laughs> didn't you? Well, yeah, because Chris Armas destroyed the team. <laughs> Yeah, well, Carlos Bocanegra is destroying it. Anyway, whatever. Connor, how was your week? Well, uh, before we get into my week, I should, we should probably acknowledge why we didn't have an episode last week. Uh, and that's blatantly my fault. Um, I recorded with the wrong thing selected, so therefore my audio sounded absolutely terrible and unusable. So you're welcome for not having an episode last week. I'm sure all five of you really, really missed the podcast. Um, <laughs> but my week's been all right. Uh, I got my second dose, finally found the mental motivation to go Let's and go. do that. Um, yes. So as of next Thursday, I'll be fully vaxxed. That'll be everyone in our house. Um, 
Got two appointments tomorrow. Got another appointment on Thursday. And so getting all that stuff done and yeah, just grinding, losing my, our best, my team's best basketball player hurt, but he's going to a good team and we'll hopefully can't relate. Uh huh. Only our best football player. Yeah. I can relate to that one. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what the Raptors do and whether or not Masai Ujiri even returns because we don't know if that's even going to happen yet. But Drew, how was your week? It was good. It's been pretty busy. Um, with the return of August, my mind has just shifted into school is coming back mode, which is awful. It's so awful bad. Thing to the think. worst thing. Terrible anxiety, but not fun. <laughs> it's my last. Hopefully, oh gosh, hopefully my last time having this feeling. So we'll see how that goes. Getting ready for school. Getting ready for school newspaper stuff. I spent about an hour today just scouting Clemson's quarterback, which I'm so ready for football to be back. I've been seeing Falcon training camp stuff, and I know Josh. Seeing some Kyle Pitts highlights has almost got me to the point where I'm pretty excited for the Falcons this year. Nope. (laughs) Smart man, smart man. Um, But football's almost back. I'm super happy about that. NBA free agency was the biggest crap show I've ever seen. And that is after seeing MLB free agency, which I don't know what the heck just happened. The Chicago Cubs said, hey, let's just start over from our World Series winning team. and Trade Trade deadline, not free agency. That was insane. Oh, oh, yeah, trade deadline. Whoops. Um and the Cubs just trade everyone away, which was very wild to watch as a neutral. But a lot of sports going on. MLS getting back to its midweek nonsense. So have a game tomorrow. And we had a game last week. And, yeah, the Nationals on a little bit of a road stretch, so we got to do some stuff from home, which is not the same as being in Nissan Stadium with fans. But, nonetheless, uh, pretty tired after waking up again a couple days ago at 3 in the morning to watch the U.S. women unfortunately lose to Connors Canada. Um, bad news is I get to wake up one more time because of the bronze medal match, which I don't even. I have to wake up because I can't make it all this way and not finish it off. But also just to see them probably lose to Australia and not medal again, it would just be heartbreaking. And the only motivation I had to waking up was knowing if they made the gold medal match, it would be at a normal time. But alas. I don't get to do that. Connor gets to watch Canada, hopefully beat Sweden. I'm pulling for Canada, which I never thought I'd say. But hopefully Sinclair gets her gold medal. But the Olympics were fun, still going on. Excited to see how that goes. But we had some more international competitions, which we will talk about in a second. Pretty good news. O'Connor has his hand up. Mr. Connor, what would you like to say to the podcast? I have a question for you. You graduate December, right? That is correct. Gods be good. <laughs> I'm also watching Game of Thrones right now, so if you guys hear some really old Game okay, of Thrones references, I, I apologize. Why you made that reference earlier, and I forgot last week you said you were binging it, but anyway. Yeah, so we're being really, really productive on the podcast. Um, between Drew always. binging... Hmm? Sorry? Always. Oh, yeah, always, always. Um, between I myself just sitting outside for basically the entire day scrolling Twitter because sports is out of control, uh, Drew binging Game of Thrones and... Josh actually being productive, which is weird to say, considering where he was three months ago and where we were three months ago. But, you know, here we are. Um, (laughs) At least one of us is thriving. Well, two of us are thriving. Uh, But 
How long has it been? Have you been graduated, Josh? It has been three years um, in this past May. Three years this past May. Lucky, lucky man. As I gear up for practicum and then an internship. Oh, God, I'm not looking forward to this. Drew, just do the ad read before I spiral even more. (laughs) Yes, ad read time. Our favorite part of the episode. And before we get more into the episode, a quick reminder about Manscaped's newest product, the Lawnmower 4.0, which is included in Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The package includes the Weed Whacker, which is waterproof, so you can shave in the shower, which is super convenient and always awesome, because what better place to shave than in the shower? Uh, We have a special offer for our listeners. You can get the Performance Package 4.0 for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com. Again, that is FANSIDE20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping of the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. So highly encourage our listeners to take advantage of that awesome offer that you can only find here at the FANSIDE Network of Podcasts. So that is really good news. And even better news is I think Connor lifted his hand up, but he was eating a cracker, so I'm not I really was sure. Not eating and a now cracker. he's frozen. No, I was eating. What were you eating a then? Tums because heartburn. Uh, uh, well, I uh, forgot to mention something. From eating too many crackers. No, I no, I just have heartburn. <laughs> I wish it was from eating too many crackers. Uh, I forgot to mention something happened last week because I was an idiot. And I feel like I should mention this. I did 100 episodes of Staff Graph Edits. Which if you haven't... I saw that tweet. Yeah. If you haven't seen... If you didn't know, I edit for a podcast called the Staff and Graph Podcast. Um, as of September, it'll be two years since I joined them. And I did my 100th episode last Thursday. So that was a huge accomplishment. Um, it was the first big sport media thing I actually did. So it, I figured I'd show This is the out. second. Yes, this is the second. It actually is the second. Um, so, Yeah. That, that was a big thing I should have mentioned, and I forgot to mention. Which, again, if you don't listen to the Staff and Graph podcast, you definitely should, if you like hockey. Which is probably not of our listener base, but, you know, here we are. And I might get yelled at fansi- uh, yelled at by Fansided for saying that, because I'm promoting another podcast. But, here we are. Let's dive into the Gold Cup, before I get us off track even more. What did you guys think? Freaking awesome, yeah, that's what I, I thought. Loved. loved. This tournament. I never thought I'd say that. Didn't think I'd be feeling this. I got Gold Cup fever. Is there, is there a reason for that? <laughs> now that it's over. A reason for not expecting to feel this way? A reason for actually enjoying the Gold Cup? Well, now I, I should rephrase it. I only feel joy about the Gold Cup because the U.S. beat Mexico in the final. Again. Be- because I really did not think that part was going to happen. I, I will say, even if the U.S. had lost... If they had lost on penalties, if they'd lost the game like one nothing, you know, let's say Mexico scores a last second goal, would it be heartbreaking? Yes, but at the end of the day, I would still consider the tournament a success because of what everybody has learned about this, you know, quote unquote B team, you know, the depth of the squad, especially with World Cup qualifiers starting in a freaking month. That blows my mind that it is already time, essentially. Um, so the fact that they upset you know what was a very strong very very strong mexico team is just icing on the cake it is fantastic and uh, to top all of that off it was miles robinson with the game-winning goal you know atlanta's own so i was extremely happy and i you know we've got here grading the u.s's performance and canada's performance and all that stuff 
I would give the U.S. an A+, if I'm being quite honest. I thought they learned so many things from this tournament, which was it's always its purpose, and beating Mexico in a final, the only the second time they've ever done that in the Gold Cup, mind you, uh, is is pretty impressive. Drew, what would you give the U.S.'s performance uh, if you were giving it a grade for the overall tournament? Absolutely, an A+. I think going into that final, the goal of the tournament, I thought was just to make the final and see what happened against Mexico. I think a general idea of the tournament was this was just a chance for some players to see where they fit in World Cup qualification, which, like you said, starts a month from Thursday, as we record this on the 3rd. I think September 5th is that first game against Canada in Nissan Stadium in Tennessee. So I think the U.S. came in with this idea of just finding players where they can fit in, win games, and get to the final against Mexico, and we'll see what happens. And they did that, but then going into that game, I mean, you're in a final against your rival in Vegas, which is technically a home game, but I feel like every time the U.S. plays Mexico, regardless, it's an away game, and Vegas was absolutely bonkers. I think I saw a tweet, it was like 90-10 Mexico fans which just made me think about that one time we talked about a Leagues Cup final being in Las Vegas and whether or not it would sell out. And just imagine that, but 90% Tigres fans or something like that. So very hostile crowd, even though it was in the U.S. And they just freaking got it done. It was phenomenal. And I think, you know, looking at the large grand scheme of this, um, I think a lot of analysts and just commentators, whatever, were thinking about this game and just comparing this to where the federation was but three years ago or four years ago when they lost to Trinidad and missed out on the World Cup. But like for the first time since then, I am very excited about World Cup qualification. Like I'm ready to go like September. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see where this team goes. And I think the same can be said for Canada, which we'll get more into in a minute. But that was an exciting win that I think got a lot of minds of American sports fans just convinced that the U.S. is not as terrible as they once were, that that World Cup failure to make in 2018 is behind them. This is a new group. And like Josh said, this was the B, C, D, whatever you want to say, team. And they got it done. There were some players that came out of nowhere. Kellen Acosta played out of his freaking mind, and we'll talk more about him. Miles Robinson came up big. Um, It was wild. It was insane. A phenomenal tournament that I think gets a lot of American soccer fans very excited for World Cup qualification. Yeah, I think the stat that most encompasses how impressive the U.S.'s final win over Mexico was, I saw it was um, from the Nations League final a month ago, right? The U.S. had only one starter carried over, and I think it was Kellen Acosta, and two subs from Nations League appear in this Gold Cup final. So that's three total players. Mexico had seven of the same starters, and one sub from Nations League was a starter for Gold Cup. So that's eight players that carried over. So for the U.S. to still come away with the win. And honestly, they looked up for it the entire time. They pressed almost the entire time. It was very comprehensive, very impressive. Connor, I know you didn't watch much of the tournament in general, but from an outside perspective, what would you grade the U.S.'s Gold Cup performance? I would give it an A. Not an A+, plus, an A+. Because I think they did struggle against some teams. Namely Canada. Um, I think if they'd been a bit more dominant, it would have been an A+. I think winning over Mexico is obviously huge. 
I still think they could have played a bit better though. Um, so that's sort of where I stand on the U S like, I guess we should do Canada too, because we should always include Canada. Um, I thought Canada played really well. I'd have given them like an A plus, uh, given how they should have won against Mexico and how well they played against the U S for a team that was missing Davies, David, um, Hoylet, not Hoylet. They had Hoylet, uh, Arfield, uh, Borian, like they're missing quite a few starters, really, really good performance. And they also played that Mexico game without Cavallini and Vittoria, um, two very key starters. So I thought it was really impressive tournament on that side of things. Uh, but you know, I guess I don't know how highly you can rate it considering they did get eliminated. What I think it did do though, is it put Canada on the map among CONCACAF is probably the third best team in the region right now. Um, at probably the very least fourth, maybe, I don't know. You guys agree with that? I was actually, you pretty much took the words right out of my mouth in terms of grading Canada. I was only going to give them an A just because, like you said, they didn't quite um, advance to the final, even though they pretty much deserved to the way they played Mexico. Now, the reason why I think the U.S. should be an A-plus is just because they went on to win the whole thing. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, it's impossible to to argue that. But yeah, everything you said about missing those important players, the fact that Canada performed so well was really impressive to me. And like you said, I, I have no argument with them being the third best. And to be quite honest with you, the gap between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada right now, I think is the smallest it's been in a while in terms of whatever you want to call it, talent, technique, any of that stuff. And I, I think there's a good argument to be made for some of the other CONCACAF teams as well, teams like El Salvador, um, I think Panama and Costa Rica are kind of on the, the downward right now. Uh, they've kind of aged out of, of some good squads, but CONCACAF is an exciting time right now. Drew, what about Canada's performance? If you were going to grade it, I have a feeling you probably share some similar sentiments to us. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely an A. Um, and I think you guys are spot on that this was a tournament that made a lot of fans realize that Canada is not a team that you can just glance over in the situation um, I think the U.S. already knew that, and then Mexico got their own taste of that. Um, as far as giving them the third best team in CONCACAF, I think I'm close to it. I need to see something like that again to fully give them number three. Like you said, Josh, Costa Rica feels like it's on the downturn. Um, Jamaica, I think, is a solid shot for that third best spot. And our favorite CONCACAF team, Qatar, has a chance for that third place. Man, I wish they won that thing so bad. That would have been hilarious. But nonetheless, Giossi Zarda saved the day in that one. Hey, you know what that but means, yeah. right? That means the U.S. are officially the Asian champions oh, as God. well. Not just CONCACAF. Anyway, before, before we get into too much trolling there, um, so real quick, let's talk about some stock up, stock down for some players. Um, I'll go first. Going to keep this brief. But for me, for the U.S., stock up. Kellen Acosta, Matt Turner, Miles Robinson. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen at some point why all three of those players are deserving of this. Acosta played out of his mind throughout the tournament. I mean, all three of these players did. And I think each of them has at least cemented their spot in the World Cup qualifying squad, if not made a good, strong case to be starters. Um, probably not Kellen Acosta because I don't know where you fit him in on the field, but definitely Turner and Robinson have a good chance to be starters. 
Stock down, though. Jonathan Lewis, Jackson Ewell, Paul Ariola. Um, that's the two true wingers as well, which is ironic. But Jonathan Lewis, um, he's been a, a favorite of Burhalter's, and he had such a poor performance in the first game that he never saw the field again the rest of this tournament. Jackson Ewell, he's been struggling for this year now, I would say probably the last year. And I have a feeling we're going to see a very similar Kellen Acosta story. Acosta was struggling in with his club and with the U.S., was not in the national team picture for two years, finally fought his way back, and we've seen how strong of a player he has become for the national team. But I think Yule's going to have to take a similar trajectory because he's just been struggling so much. I don't know how you can um, make, a, make an argument, make a case for him to be in the squad. And as for Ariola, I don't think he's necessarily played his way out of the picture, but you guys all saw, you know, in the final, he, he did not put those chances away. And that is the difference between having a really good international team and an average international team. It's converting those chances. So he looked, you know, somewhat okay. He was injured part of the time as well, but I, I think he, uh, definitely is not as strong a he doesn't have a strong case for selection going forward drew sticking with the u.s who's uh stock up for you and stock down for you with the players yeah i think you took all the easy stock ups with acosta turner and robinson but that was a gimme but we someone had to do it so obviously those three i think if you had to put them above everyone else i would be it'd be fair to say those three really stood out um but for stock up i went with busio i think he's been he was really good in this tournament um, I think the move to Venezia is all but confirmed. I don't know if you guys saw, but I think yeah, it was his, an Instagram video. Reggie Cannon. <laughs> Reggie Cannon. He's blown it, dude. Wait, yeah, did you hear what he said to Gal- uh, George Bello right after that? No. Galatasaray. Oh, no. He said, oh, he said Galatasaray. I, I think that's just based on old rumors, but still. Okay. But, yeah, I thought Busio played well. Um, still not you know, out of your mind, but he was really good. I think there was a lot of questions about him, whether he could get it done, as with this whole team, really, whether they could get it done at the CONCACAF level, because CONCACAF is an animal of its own, and to see him come in, we have obviously know he's a talented player. He's been killing it at SKC, and we're excited to see him play in Italy. But I thought he did really well. This whole tournament came in that final, uh, held his own, I thought. was not the most outstanding player. He was no Kellen Acosta, but he was really good. And stock down, I went with Daryl DK. Um, this kind of pained my heart to say this, but I don't think he performed terribly. I think he got a goal or two goals, I think, against Martinique in that 6-1 win. So it's hard for me to take anything away from that two-goal performance just because it was Martinique. No disrespect to him, but that's just not the level that I think most people are expecting. But he got that injury against Canada late on. I think it was a shoulder injury. And then ever since then, those last couple of games, I think he came off. I'm trying to pull up the stats right now. But he came off um, twice against – I know he came off against Qatar. Giazzi's artist came in, got the winning goal. So it doesn't didn't feel like that was the vintage – well, I don't want to say vintage. The guy's 21 years old, and this is all like a whole new rise, I think, for him. But not the performance I think a lot of people were expecting from Daryl DK. Again, he's only 21. It's a long career. It's a lot of time. It's just one tournament. So there's not, to me, there's not a whole reason to buy into just one meh performance across a tournament. But I thought, especially given the expectations he had with tearing up in the championship, people just assuming he's going to Europe after the summer transfer window or during the summer transfer window. Um, it was a pretty disappointing performance, I think, for him. Obviously, the injury is never what you want to see. I don't really know if it's a serious issue or not. 
but I don't think he performed to the level that people thought he should. But nonetheless, he's a Gold Cup champion. So hard to be too upset. Connor, you have, well, let you get Canada, but I guess we should start with the U.S. You have one player. It doesn't say up or down. I think it's, I think it's going to say up. Yes, it's going to say up because but, before this tournament, okay, good, good. I'd never even heard of him. No, <laughs> me neither. I had no idea who this guy was. Well, if you haven't figured it out, Shaq Moore, which brilliant first name. Um, I'd never even heard of him coming into this tournament. And he started, what, every game for the U.S.? I don't think every game. Uh, not The only game he didn't start was the final. They gave the start to Reggie Cannon. But he did sub on in a very pivotal moment um, when Berhalter switched out both fullbacks. So even oh, in the crap. final, he played a very important role. Another good right back. Just what we need. Love that. Seriously, though. Well, I thought he was... I heard he was very good. Um, I think he should be on this list because he went from a complete unknown to a good, very good, very key player for the U.S. Um, and I was shocked neither of you... In- Neither of you included him on your list. But we have to do Canada because you two always forget about it. Uh, <laughs> but in terms of players I had going up, obviously, Tajon Buchanan, the guy was a legend, played so, so well. Um, really influential throughout the tournament. Made the tournament, or was one of the turn- players of the tournament, uh, Rookie of the Year as well, which is following in the footsteps of... Davies and Pulisic as Canadian Americans who've recently won. Uh, so we'll see how long he lasts. Uh, I think Revolution want to keep him till the end of the season, but we will see whether or not he even lasts that long. Uh, other player I had, Stephen Eustekiu. He just played so well. Uh, he's a really, really good player, really ri- uh, raised his stock, showed how valuable he's going to be for the Canadian national team for the future. Um, so I went with him and I also went with Kamal Miller. Uh, I thought he played really well. I heard really good things about him as well. Really fit in on that back line, uh, when Canada were sort of struggling at times and stepped up well. So I went with him. The one player I had down, I don't even think this was necessarily his stock going down, but Daniel Henry, simply because the... Great for 85 minutes, terrible for five minutes, continues to come true. And I couldn't really think of anyone else who had their stock massively going down. So I went with him. But yeah, I'm curious, though. What do you guys think of Mexico now? Do you think this is a federation that should be very worried about their future, especially in the near term? Or do you think this was sort of just a blip in the radar and that they are better than they appeared in this tournament. You know, it's definitely cause for concern. Losing one trophy is bad enough. Losing the Gold Cup is even worse, especially when Tata Martino was on record saying that this is kind of their revenge. And this is against a bunch of, what, 95% MLS players. And like Josh said, I mean, the U.S. held their own. It wasn't this freak set-piece goal. The U.S. had their chances. Ariola should have put that one away early on. There were some other chances that should have been put away, but I think so. I mean, if you're not the king of CONCACAF, what, what are you doing, right? That's just the assumed 
dominance of Mexico. I think, obviously, there's some debate when you talk about world rankings in the, interna- in the international game, but they, they're a top 10 team in the international game, I think, according to FIFA rankings, and you just lost twice to the U.S., one of which being MLS-U.S. team. So there's some concern. Um, there's obviously questions around Tata Martino and... Atlanta United loves to put themselves in that conversation, but I don't know what to even say about that. But I think there is some cause for concern. Um, this is a federation that's used to dominating, and you lost in a crapshoot in the Nations League final. All signs pointed to dominating the U.S. in this one, and you can get that done. So I think there are some problems now. How big of a problem that is, I'm not sure, because at the end of the day, it is just a gold cup. Um, this team wants to make runs in World Cups. And they have a chance to do that next year. Um, but if nothing happens in 2022 where there's not an oppressive run in Qatar, then I think you hit the panic button because it's it's rough sledding after that. So I think there's some cause for concern for Mexico, but the good news is for them, they have a chance to bounce back and make some noise in Qatar in 2022. Josh, what do you think Mexico should do from here? Do you think Tata is gone or do you think the Federation's in any bit of a problem right Quickly now? Quickly before Josh talks, bold of you to assume Mexico is making it to the World Cup in 2022. That's a good point. I mean, uh, it, who is this still? Graham Zusi just say, teams. It's four. Oh, it's, I a, think. it's another one now. Yeah. Or does that fourth team still go to the playoff against the um, playoff? It goes to the playoff. Oceana. Okay, so they play. Or the I'm not sure team. if it's Oceana. It's like. I don't know. I think it's other MLS. I don't know what it is. It's too confusing at this point. <laughs> if Graham Zussi bails them out and get a qualification, you never know. <laughs> oh, they just stole David um, Ochoa, too. So. I'm sorry, Mexico is number 11 in the world. I apologize on the you, rankings, but yes, Josh, go ahead. Your rankings are coming out tomorrow, and rumors are they're going to both be, U.S. and Mexico are going to be top 10. I have seen some musings about that as well um but mexico I, i'm gonna I think, cut you off again Josh, Ta- just to bug you <laughs> Go ahead. Stopping me from going in on this team. anyway let's get to some mls yeah. news <laughs> um oh, we bully you too much go ahead josh no it's okay i i've i've gotten worse um no so tata firing him would be stupid at this point um I think it was Felipe uh, Cardenas who pointed out that the main goal for Tata and the team is to uh, advance further into the World Cup than they've ever been in a while, which is, you know, past the round of 16. So I think it would be really short-sighted of the Federation to get rid of him now, as embarrassing as it is to lose to your um, your international rival twice in a, in a span of a month, essentially, in two finals. But... I have to be honest, you know, I I hope for the worst for Mexico going forward. I honestly do. Um, and that comes from the whole, you know, the whole business with the chant still going on. And, you know, it's not the player's fault. It's not the coaching staff's fault. Um, but I think you can blame the Federation to an extent for not stepping in sooner with this. Um, but more importantly, what really... I'm going to say what really pisses me off about the way Mexico's handled this situation is the fact that they took that two stadium or the, the two matches behind closed door, right? They took that. It's three. I think it was three, whatever. Either way, they applied it to the women's team 
even though it, it definitely happened at a men's game. So that right there is just straight up BS. Um, super terrible of the Federation to do that. And then on top of that, for them to... Well, let me back up. Thursday night was both semifinals for the Gold Cup, right? I was able to catch the second half of the U.S., watch them beat Qatar, and I was able to watch the first half of the Mexico-Canada game before I passed out at halftime. Uh, but, you know, Canada was playing so well. And so when I woke up at 5 o'clock the next day and I'm catching up on Twitter trying to see what happened in the game, I just I was sitting there furious because of how... They stopped the game for the chant, but instead they attributed it to a hydration break and they still tacked on that stoppage time. And Mexico ended up getting the game winner at the end, which, you know, both of you know, but for those listening, you know, that's that's the whole deal with that. So for Canada to ultimately lose the game because of, you know, a homophobic chant that has not been completely eradicated by FIFA and by the Mexican Federation itself is infuriating to be quite honest with you. And I say that as someone who has no skin in the game, you know, before this, I didn't really care about Mexico, you know, yeah, the U S rivals, but whatever. And then, you know, Canada, you know, it's cool to watch them, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I I don't really care about these teams. But at this point I can firmly say whatever stops Mexico from succeeding, I am all for it. I, I wish nothing but bad things for that national team going forward. And what you didn't even mention, which it looks even worse that we were cutting you off before that discussion, um, but what we didn't even mention was the Tajan Buchanan racist comments on Instagram. And I don't think it just uh, targeted him. I think it was also other members uh, of the Canadian national team. Uh, but they went into his comments and started commenting racist crap. Uh, and this is obviously not new to soccer. We are unfortunately at this point used to black players having to deal with that. Um, but it's, it's just a joke. It's a fundamental flaw in CONCACAF that the Mexican Federation can continue to get away with this. And the only reason they can get away with this is because of all of the money that Mexican make Mexican Mexico makes them, um, which is, infuriating but here we are um i don't know i just figured i should mention the whole buchanan stuff as well because there's no reason for that to have been glossed over considering how abhorrent it is yeah it's a conversation i think that's hard to have um but it's been going on in Concacaf for a while and it's been going on in the world but specifically like a chant that josh mentioned um something's gotta happen something's gotta change because like you said, I mean, players have been trying their best, but at the end of the day, I mean, they can't control what the fans say. They should be focused on the game and game alone. Unfortunately, with outside circumstances, they have to, you know, it feels like just watching the game every time Matt Turner took a goal kick, it was just nervous. Like, is this going to be the time when the chant gets echoed throughout millions of fans at home and people in the stadium just watching a soccer game? And it was unfortunate that it happened, um, but it's something that did happen, something that needs to be brought up. Um, and CONCACAF and FIFA, they got to do something because they've been trying and nothing's really been happening. Um, but yeah, it's been a rough time in CONCACAF, and hopefully that will change soon. But going to a um, lighter note, a better note with the New England Revolution, I'm a new collaborative fund. New England Revolution and the Kraft family, also owners of the New England Patriots, have launched the New England Revolution Players Collaborative Fund to support organizations working to create meaningful change in the New England community. Um, talking about racial and social justice, I think the 
Collaborative is going to work with Black Players for Change, which is awesome. Um, another way to plug our Nkosi Tafara episode podcast. Nkosi talks about this organization very well as a member of it and a phenomenal guy, phenomenal player. Um, but yeah, awesome to see the revolution getting in with this. Um, they'll distribute $20,000 by monthly by the Kraft family, awarding grants to local grassroots organizations that are working to promote equity in fighting systemic racism. Um, so that's good. We've talked a lot about the Black Players for Change, and again, please go listen to that Nkosi Tafara episode. It's probably the most important podcast episode we have done as he talks about soccer and a whole lot more and a whole lot of much more important stuff. So you're going to see the revolution putting some money toward the cause and seeing that. Um, yeah, do you guys have any thoughts about the revolution? Obviously, that's really good news from the Kraft family. I know the Kraft family's been in a little bit of a yikey situation before, but obviously good to see them putting money where their mouth is. Yeah, really exciting, really good stuff. Were you directing that towards me? I'm confused. No, I had no idea what to do. I was like, yeah, guys, it's good news. It's good. I don't know what else There's to say. There's not really much more to say, honestly. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's great, it's great news, obviously. Um, hopefully, those of you listening have already seen something about this. Um, I know, personally, it was all over my Twitter a couple days ago just because the Black Players for Change were really um, broadcasting this move, which is fantastic. Hope a lot more clubs take some really strong initiative like this because um, it's a lot of money that they're that they're going to be donating consistently is the key part of that as well. But moving on to some uh, more um, game related news with some other MLS teams, a few signings have been made this week. Uh, important to remember that as of recording this podcast, the MLS transfer window closes in just a couple of days. So in between when this is recorded and when it's published, there might be a couple more signings that we aren't able to discuss this week, but we'll talk about those next week. But in the meantime, Austin FC, they finally got their DP attacker, even though it doesn't actually solve the problem of not having a goal scorer, but whatever. They (laughs) got this dude who's pretty good. He's a 25-year-old Argentine attacking midfielder, Sebastian Giussi. Uh, He was most currently with Zenit Petersburg in Russia. He had his contract bought out or he bought his own contract out, whatever, to get out of the contract and to come play for Austin. So that's exciting. Although, again, like I said, does not solve their main issue here, which is goal scoring, but whatever. Uh, Speaking of goal scoring, LAFC, they have finally signed Christian Aranjo. It has not been announced by the club, but I believe Transfer Market reported it as being done. And we know this move has been coming, especially because a couple days ago, LAFC traded attacker Corey Baird to the Houston Dynamo in exchange for $750,000 in GAM and a 2022 international slot. That was big news because Baird was just traded to LAFC this past offseason from RSL. So for him to now be moved yet again after only six months, really only four months because the season started in April, um, is very surprising. But Looks like LAFC needs that money for Aranjo. What's even more insane, sorry to cut you off, about the That's okay. Corey Baird trade is he was acquired for 500000 in GAM. And he was just sold or traded for $750,000 in GAM and an international slot. So one of two things happened. One, Corey Baird got really good or a lot better than he was. And LAFC turned that into profit. Or two, RSL really undersold on him. <laughs> and LAFC got a deal uh, because I don't know how he increased his value by 50% uh, 
or not 50%? Well, maybe he didn't increase his value, but maybe a team like Houston was willing to pay that much to get him, even though maybe that's not quite his worth. But hopefully he turns out to be a good move for Houston because they could use a player like him to uh, take them a little bit farther because they're very average right now. They could use anything at this point. I was like, yeah, I mean, it could be worse. It could be worse. They could be lower in the standings like the Vancouver Whitecaps, who are on the up and up, but especially with the signing of the Scottish Messi, apparently, (laughs) Ryan Gold. Um, He is also 25 years old. He's also attacking midfielder. I believe he's a DP signing as well. Yes, he'd have to be. I don't know why I didn't put that down, but yes. Um, He's joining from Firenze? How you pronounce it, I guess? Firenze? Um, From Scotland. Yeah. Sure. Or no, Friends is in Portugal, I believe. Um, but yes, anyway, he is joining. It's from. He played in Portugal. Yes. Isn't that where Friends yes. is? Okay. Sorry. I, I said Scotland originally because he is Scottish, oh. but <laughs> that was incorrect. So that was me trying to correct And they did myself. have to pay a fee. Um, I don't know if you included that. I, I did not. Do you know how much it was? It was like 100000 bucks, but it was the biggest transfer fee Friends has ever gone for a transfer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's surprising considering they're not one of the bigger clubs in Portugal. So I figured, you know, maybe some of the bigger clubs would buy from them, but oh well. Uh, but anyway, super excited about this personally. I was just messaging uh, Connor and Drew the other day in the Slack after watching some of Gold's highlights because dude looks awesome. I really hope he works out for Vancouver. Um, but before we talk more about these signings, the last little bit of news, Inter-Miami has loaned Matias Pellegrini back to Estudiantes. And based on Phil Neville's comments in a press conference following that move, sounds like Pellegrini will not be back. So, ever. In Miami, at least. Lots of big news in there. Makes sense, um, though, doesn't it? Sorry to cut. I think I feel like we should discuss that a little bit, considering it's a highly promising talent who came here on a big transfer fee. You're talking about loaning him back makes sense. Well, yes, and also the fact that he isn't going to be back because they cheated. And who are they losing as a DP? Because it's not going to be Pizarro because you're losing a whole lot of money on that. Nobody's taking Higuain and Matuidi? Probably not. So this sort of felt like the only logical conclusion to this, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously. And I think it was reported back um, once they bought out his contract or whatever that they were going to loan him back because theoretically, technically, I guess we should say, he is a Fort Lauderdale player, which is Inter-Miami's USL team. He's not not technically an Inter-Miami player anymore because of that contract buyout. Um, but Drew, as... The resident MLS fan, <laughs> because you're a fan of so many, fan of the league, so fan of many, the league, so many teams. But to be fair, Vancouver cracks your top four. What do you think of this Ryan Gold signing? And then Connor, I want your thoughts as well because you're a lot more tuned into, obviously, Canadian fans in general. So I, I want to hear your thoughts on what they're saying about the signing. But Drew, what do you make of the signing as a resident Whitecaps fan? Yes, one of many clubs I make the mistake of giving my heart to as they <laughs> pound it. Um, with Nashville being the exception, come on, you boys in gold. But anyway, yeah, super exciting. Please don't um, I think <laughs> you Please don't. Um, yeah, super exciting times in Vancouver. I think he's that number 10 that they've been looking for for a very long time. It's been very anticipated. Fans are always 
commenting announced Scottish Messi, which I think more people know the fact that he's known as Scottish Messi than they do his actual name at this point, which no pressure at all, Ryan, but you have a lot to live up to. Um, yeah, it's really exciting times in Vancouver. It's that 10 they've been looking for, a team that, you know, it's hard to imagine, but the Whitecaps were good at one point not too long ago when you had the Pedro Morales as Eric Hurtado was good, Kikuta Mano was good, David Osted, Kendall Waston. It was a good team, and they made a run in the playoffs. I think they beat San Jose like 5-1-1 game. I remember that game. It was wild. And ever since then, it's kind of been on the downturn. They produced one of, if not the best left back in the world, didn't get a whole lot of money out of them. And now it's just been downhill ever since, and Whitecaps fans are kind of annoyed by that. And maybe this is a sign of better things to come. They are currently sitting 12th. They have 15 points, but I think we talked about this a little last episode that did not get posted, so I should say it again. But, I mean, the bottom of the West is like a crapshoot right now. I mean, they win one game and a couple of results bounce their way in a midweek or weekend game, and they go from 12th to 9th in a snap. And maybe Scottish Messi provides that, and who knows? A team gets hot at the right time and makes some noise. I don't think they'll make, you know, they won't. I don't think they'll win any silver off this. They might win the Canadian Championship because who the heck knows if any Canadian team is good at this point. This is a crapshoot in Canada as well. But, yeah, I'm excited. Exciting times in Vancouver. We'll see what happens on the Whitecaps. Big transfer. I think fans have been waiting for it for a really long time. And exciting times. We'll see if they can make news make some noise off of it because Whitecaps fans would wait for it. So, Yeah, like I said, just from watching the highlights, and again, it's a highlights video and you can only, you know, you can only take so much away from a little five-minute clip of this guy who's, you know, been playing for years or whatever. But from those highlights, he looks like an awesome player and I am very excited for hopefully what he can do with Vancouver like Drew said, it would be nice for them to, to kind of get back to where they were um, just a few years ago. I think Whitecaps fans in general are like really happy about this because they finally got their number 10, which has been long desperately wanted. Um, overall, I think adding a player of that quality is going to be positive and will have a big impact on the future of Vancouver and on their outcome this season. You know, they've been playing well. They just beat the Galaxy or drew against the Galaxy. They've played well in the last couple games. They're starting to figure stuff out. And I think adding a player of that quality is going to have a big impact. And his fancy numbers, I think, look really, really good too. So that's something you can look forward to. Um, But yeah, I think just in general, it's a great signing that's really the only way to describe it. And I think it's the only way Vancouver fans see it because they finally get that number 10 who they've so desperately wanted for so long. But before we talk more MLS and more games, we're going to take a quick ad break. So we'll be right back in a second. And we're back from our break to talk some MLS games and things. We got a couple games here on the dock some important results some big results that we're going to talk about why they're important if they're important and what the heck is going on in this wild world of mls because this league makes no sense but it's awesome and we love it so we're going to talk about it dang it first thing we're going to talk about nycfc 
beating Columbus 4-1, to if I'm not mistaken. I think that is about the second time in a row New York City FC has smacked the team. They beat Orlando City 5-0 the week before and then turn around and do it again against Columbus. And the good news for NYCFC fans, they have the Chicago Fire on Wednesday. So by the time you listen to this, maybe NYCFC will have done it for a third time in a row, but NYCFC beating Columbus. We're definitely going to lose to Chicago. Because you don't bet on MLS kids, bet the under Chicago in a 1-0 thriller. But we'll talk about NYCFC beating Columbus 4-1. to I think... So there's two, we're going to look at this in two different ways. First, we're going to start off with the good side, the positive, the positivity of NYCFC. They currently are sitting in fourth in the Eastern Conference behind the New England Revolution, Orlando City, Nashville, and the New York City FC is right there with two games in hand on the Revolution, one game in hand over other teams. So a win puts them second place in the Eastern Conference. They would jump Orlando City by one point. So NYCFC right there in the mix. Guys, do you think, I guess first question I should ask, have we been taking New York City serious enough? If not, is it time to change that? I don't think we have, but I think there's a good reason for it. And that's just because up until now, NYCFC haven't quite found a sweet spot in terms of getting results and all of their players performing, essentially. Um, I found myself... So I went back and watched this game, and NYCFC is so stocked with talent. It is ridiculous. I mean, and we kind of knew this, right? I mean, they've been picking up all these players, but they've been relatively unknown, and... Because the team is collectively succeeding, there isn't one or two singular players that we, you know, are singling out and paying lots of attention to. The most, you know, likely for that title, I think, would be Tati Castellanos. Um, but even then, he was scoring a lot at the beginning of the season. He's kind of cooled down since. But guys like Tiago Andrada, uh, Santiago Rodriguez, um, Talos Magno, who I don't even think has played that much for them yet. I mean, these are all like. U23 guys, maybe those were their young money signings. I can't remember off the top of my head, but these are all guys from Brazil and Argentina and Uruguay that we're not talking about, but they're doing really well and they look fantastic. So that city scouting group, man, they put that thing to work this offseason for NYCFC. And I think it's just now finally paying off for them. So going forward, I think NYCFC, if they continue like this, they're they're gonna be a force to force to be reckoned with. And They've been doing all this without James Sands because he's been with the U.S. national team for the last couple weeks, and he is one of, if not the most important player for them on that squad. So, honestly, just crazy from NYCFC to to beat down Columbus like that. Um, I mean, helps when you're playing on a youth-sized pitch, but, you know, that's beside (laughs) the point. Um, Connor, do you have anything to add to NYCFC? And I'll go ahead and ask you, at this point, should we be worried about Columbus making the playoffs? Well, you took my James Sands point, uh, which was going to be my only unique point. Um, but Great minds. Yeah, exactly. Uh, having somebody break out like that this season too, I think has really uh, filled the void of Alex Ring when he was sold because we forget he was sold for a boatload of money um, in the offseason to Austin. So... You know, having that James Sands sort of emerge as the Alex Ring replacement, who's done a pretty good job of that, I think has been really beneficial to NYCFC. And 
the fact that they don't have the Alex rings anymore, or um, I guess that Kaku was the player who left uh, New York, but not having the Alex ring, big namesake talent, um, you know, they sort of did fly under the radar. Do I think they're still going to be legit and a playoff threat? As Josh has said in the past, you need the star talent. And I don't think they necessarily have that star talent. But who knows? MLS is about as predictable as a coin toss. So <laughs> I have no idea what will happen. On the Columbus question, I think they'll still make it. Like This is the Columbus crew. They're really, really, really good. And while they may be struggling now, and they may have struggled for the majority of the season, they have so much talent that I don't think it will matter. Uh, they're guaranteed... I think to at least be in the playoff conversation, most likely making the playoffs too. It's just where do they finish in the standings? Do they get home games or not is probably the bigger question for me at this point. But, you know, again, MLS is so unpredictable. We have no idea what will happen. They could go on a 10 game losing streak and be bottom of the league. Who knows? Uh, Drew though, I guess, do you sort of take the same sort of stance as me with the Columbus stuff? Do you think we've taken NYCFC seriously enough? How do you view both of these teams in the current makeup of the East? Yeah, I think I'll start with the Columbus. I don't think it's time to worry yet just because they have Lucas Elrion and that guy is a magician. He can do crazy things and I'm not going to count him out for helping this team make a run into the postseason um currently they are sitting in six they're currently in that playoff spot but obviously not playing to the same standard i think a lot of people pick them to um there's a lot of back-to-back predictions with the crew um but i'm not worried about them making the playoffs for mycfc i think we're not taking them seriously enough um to josh's point about how there's not one singular player kind of running the show here their leading goal scorer is jesus medina who has seven goals and right behind him is Castellanos with six goals. So there's not one player. You know, there's not a Raul Rudiaz, Carly Seal, Gustavo Bo, Chicharito, someone like that kind of running the show. When you think about NYCFC, there's not really one player that sticks out to you as to that's why they're doing this. Um, so I think, you know, it's time that we start taking them seriously to beat downs against two good teams, right? Orlando city. Obviously I think we talked about the Orlando game before a lot of players in Orlando were, did not make the roster. were not starting. Um, but they did against Columbus again, scoring nine goals in two games against any side is incredibly impressive in MLS. And they were able to do it. So I think it's time we start taking them more seriously. And I think I'm on the same page as you guys. They don't have that one star power player that can go out and win you a game as far as, getting an MLS Cup, but like Josh mentioned, it's a joke, but it's true. That's might be the last place I think teams want to go play in the playoffs is Yankee Stadium. So you get a Except couple... Except for Toronto FC because they always score about 15 goals there. <laughs> so who the heck knows what's going to happen? Um, yeah, but just like Connor said, MLS is about as predictable as a coin toss. Nothing encapsulated that more so then this next game, FC Dallas upsetting Sporting Kansas City 2-1 to one in Kansas City. What the heck? That doesn't make any sense. It does when you have the best center back in MLS in, in Kosi Tafara 
playing for you. King and Kosi. How'd they do that? What the heck? Simple. And Kosi Tafara. Is Dallas going to make the playoffs? In two words, and Kosi Tafara. Josh, can Dallas make the playoffs? Or is this just a... Because this is the second time they've done this. The first time cost me a couple dollars because they beat the Revolution. Still salty about that, but it's fine. Thankfully, I learned my lesson and did not bet on this game because all odds pointed to Kansas City winning this because it's the last team in the Western Conference against the... I think at the time, they were... They might have been number one in the Western Conference at the time. Okay, sorry, they're not last in the Western Conference. They're down there. Again, it's a crapshoot at the bottom down west. But can Dallas make the playoffs? Because this bumps them up to 10th. And again, one win gets them right, right there in the mix for that last playoff spot. I think it's a little deceiving to look at the standings because for a second I talked to myself into saying yes, that they can make the playoffs. Um, but so they're, they're only... Th- Two points behind Portland, who's in eighth, and they're only four points behind RSL, who's in seventh, which is the playoff cutoff line. However, Dallas has played one more game than both of those teams, and so tomorrow night alone could kind of push Dallas even further out of the picture. So I almost talked myself into saying yes, but I think I'm going to have to say no. I don't think Dallas are going to be able to make the playoffs. I just don't see how they can overcome this deficit and you look at their record home and away and they have five draws at home, which it's cool that they haven't lost a home game, but at the same time, if you're not winning a majority of your home games, then you're in trouble and they are not doing that. So they are in trouble. Um, I did watch that game though. And, and Kosi Tafaro was extremely deserving of his team of the week um, selection. He was fantastic at the end. Um, what Miles Robinson was to the U.S. national team in terms of clearances against Mexico and Kosi Tafara was to Dallas against uh, Sporting Kansas City. Every ball that was going in that box, it was like every single time and Kosi was on it and knocking that thing away. So he had an excellent performance, which is really cool to see because he wasn't a starter at the beginning of the season. So it looks like he's kind of played his way into the starting lineup and uh, be really cool to see him keep that spot after a great performance like this. But yeah. It's going to take a lot more than Nkosi for Dallas to make the playoffs, unfortunately. Um, so I just don't think they will. Connor, do you think Dallas can make the playoffs? Probably not, because I think they struggle in the goal scoring department, and you need to score goals in order to win. And apart from Ricardo Pepe, who, as we talked, we talked about him last week, but obviously you didn't see that episode. Um, you say you're not on the peppy train? What's going on here? I am Choo-choo. not on the peppy train because I think his stats are heavily inflated by that hat trick. Um, but, you know, maybe if he is able to actually keep the form that he's in, I don't think he can, but that's another conversation. Um, if he can keep the form that he's in, if he can continue to perform the way he's been performing, if the entire team can continue performing the way that they've been performing, sure, there's a chance. I just don't really see it. But as we sort of said last week, and you didn't hear, the West sucks. So if they're going to do it, it's probably this year. Um, But I don't know. I'm still not totally sold on Dallas making the playoffs because I just, I don't think they're good enough. But again, as this 
episode's going to be called like coin toss or something, but, um, MLS is just a coin toss. So we never know what's going to happen. Let's hit Miami because they finally did something good. Talk about a coin toss. Holy crap. They did it. They won a game. Do you believe in miracles? They did it. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Uh, or no, that's not the right line. Can you believe it? Yes. Shout out Pierre McGuire. It's a terrible hockey analyst. Miami, first win against Montreal at home, 2-1. Can Miami build off of this? Because they have a really, really tough goal of it for their next three games. No. They cannot. Because it only gets harder. And no. No, no, no. Play Orlando, nope. Nashville, nope. NYCFC, they might drop seven on them. <laughs> no, no Hani way. Hani Mukhtar might drop Don't, seven on them. Never mind NYCFC is a full team. Maybe get some Hani magic going on. But yeah, there's no, I don't know. I'm not buying into it. Uh, Montreal have kind of been, eh, they were exciting to there to start. Kind of have been sliding. They're now currently seventh in the Eastern Conference, losing to Miami, New England, NYCFC. They beat Cincinnati, but they also let in four goals to Cincinnati. So they're on a three-game losing streak and then letting in four goals to Cincinnati. Feels like a loss, but when you play Cincinnati, you can score five. So they've been on a rough stretch, but the good news for them is they play Atlanta United tomorrow. So that losing streak going out the door and three points against the five stripes. So, yeah, I'm not sold on them yet. Good for Miami. Happy Miami fans got a piece of happiness in the form of the foot, but I'm not sold on them yet. Josh, are you sold? Is this good for Miami? I guess it's good for Miami, but what do you make of Miami's win? Well, first of all, congrats to their home fans for finally getting to witness a victory. We know how uh, few and far in between those are. So congrats to La Familia. Um, I'm going to say it. You you heard it here first, folks, even though... Oh, Lord. Be, oh, no. Even though, Don't do it. <laughs> even though it will be after the fact. I'm calling it now. Inter-Miami are going to beat Orlando tomorrow night. They're going to beat Orlando. What do you do? You shake your what head. do you do if Orlando wins? Eat Nothing. a hat. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not making any bets. Speaking of bets, when you guys go to bet on this Orlando Miami game tomorrow night, make sure you pick Miami. Um, they are they are definitely somehow going to win. That being said, they're they're totally screwed against Nashville and NYCFC <laughs> regardless. Um, in all seriousness, though, I do think because they've had a, a couple of good games in a row and it. From what I've seen out of Miami in terms of the players and you know what Phil Neville has said, it does seem like the team is on a little bit of a good run of form right now. Spirits are a little higher than they were you know a week or two ago. Um, is it sustainable? Probably not. Can they build off of this? Kind of. I do think they will beat at least one of these three teams between Orlando, Nashville, and YCFC. Uh, I think the Orlando one is the safest bet because it is a quote-unquote rivalry game. And because it's a midweek game, more importantly, that's the biggest part of it, is a freaking Wednesday night match. This just screams Miami winner. Uh, but can they build off of it? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, Miami is rotten to the core, and I think there are only a few clubs in MLS that you can, you know, you can give that label, you know, Atlanta being one of them, Cincinnati being one of them. Um, man, we talk about the West sucking, but the East is kind of... Well, that's MLS, I guess. It's a crapshoot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, 
do either of you have anything to add about Miami and Montreal before we move on to our last uh, game of the of this past weekend? I think you're going to be very wrong about Inter-Miami getting any points over the next three games, but... What do you want to bet? I don't know. Oh, Lord. No, no, no. I do not bet on MLS. <laughs> you don't know? I can give you something to bet on. <laughs> I can give you something to bet for this. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't want to bet on MLS. because. How about, how about this? I'll give you the option. You can pick betting against me that Miami will beat Orlando, or you can bet against me that Miami will just win one of their next three games. Which one do you want to take? Neither, because I don't like betting on MLS if it's not a guarantee. So, <laughs> Which means you don't like betting on MLS whatsoever. No, exactly. <laughs> That's the point. Um, How about you, Drew? Drew. Friendly yeah. wager, five bucks? Well, this is illegal. No, Josh, here? this is illegal. You, you can... Nah, this is, this, is, this is friendly. This is okay. There's no real... Money's not real, okay? <laughs> First of all. Um, <laughs> I'll trade you in crypto stock. <laughs> Two options, Drew. You can either take me up on the bet that Miami will beat Orlando tomorrow night, or you can take me up on the bet that Miami will win one of their next three games. I don't think... Oh, man. If they're (laughs) going to win any of these games, it's going to be Orlando. Watch it be Nashville. I was going to say, I think it's Nashville, but... No, they'll play to a 1-1 draw. Well, hold on. That game is in Miami, right, against Nashville? Yes. Okay, Nashville doesn't lose. They don't win all the time, but they don't lose. I'll give you some time to think about it, Drew. We'll get an answer before the end of the pod. You can you pick one you pick one of those two options and we'll we'll do a little Venmo wager. <laughs> Moving on to our last game though. This is great podcast content. Colorado. Yeah, uh, absolutely. This is what the people come here. This is what they come here for. <laughs> Colorado uh just beat Austin one nothing. And that game alone doesn't really doesn't really move the needle with anything, honestly, because Austin is a struggling expansion team and Colorado is Colorado. They won with a goal from Andre Shinishiki. Uh, they did it without Mark Anthony K, who ended up on that long lost podcast we recorded last week. Um, that was a, a big deal, a big trade last week, we should say. But Colorado got the job done. Another win under their belts. And now, all of a sudden, they are almost level in points per game with the big dogs in the West, Seattle and Sporting Kansas City. I say points per game specifically because they are still fourth in the standings. They are one point behind the Galaxy. They are three behind Sporting Kansas City. But they have 1.8 points per game. And Seattle and Sporting Kansas City are at two are at 1.88 points per game. So they're obviously very close. Can we start considering Colorado a favorite in the West? And, you know, another way of saying that, should we consider them to be part of the kind of Seattle sporting Kansas City level of things? Because they've really flown under the radar, but here they are. I'm going to say not yet, because we don't know how Anthony Kay will factor in, um, how much of an impact he will have in that midfield. I will say right now, they're between that Seattle sporting Kansas city tier and the tier below that, which is whatever you want to define it as. I think they're in between their, their own team. Um, I don't think they're quite at that level though. Personally. What about you, Drew? What say you keep in mind? I'm looking at it now. Colorado have gone six games 
without a loss. Most of those are wins, only two draws in there. And the last team they lost to is Sporting Kansas City back on June 23rd. Guess who they play this Saturday? I'm going to go out on a limb here. Which Drew knows, by the way, because we'll talk about that later. But Is it Sporting Kansas City? What do you think, Drew? Are you asking Sporting Kansas City a favorite? Is that who Colorado's playing? Oh, yes, it's Italy Saturday. What a guess. Um, Josh, I think you were looking at the wrong schedule because they just lost to RSL 3-0 on the 24th. Whoops. Yeah, my bad. Okay, I totally read that wrong as a Colorado win. Okay, so never mind. They haven't, but still. So never mind. They points. suck. They're getting relegated. <laughs> Either In way. In a league that has no relegation, they're still getting relegated. My bad. Um, but I, first off, the LA Galaxy slander is through the roof right now, just forgetting about them. But I think they're not there yet. Mark Anthony K can make that difference. Saturday is going to provide a good chance of them hopping into that Seattle SKC tier, but I want to see what they do against the Galaxy. It's a Tuesday. I think it's in Colorado. That's going to, after then, I'll be able to say with confidence that, depending on where they sit, then I'll be able to say if they're in that Seattle SKC LA Galaxy tier, because the Galaxy are doing this without Chicharito. I have no idea what his timetable to return is. I think everyone just forgot he existed, to be honest with you. But Yeah, Mexico did too. They should probably could have used him in this tournament, but whatever. <clears throat> Roasted. You've been wrecked by Josh Boland. Um, but yeah, I'm not quite there yet. And yeah, they have opportunities to do it. Good news for them. It's all in their hands with big games coming up soon. But I'm not there yet. Mark Anthony K can make that difference, but... Right now, I'm not sold on them quite yet. If we have nothing else to say about the wonderful Rapids of Colorado, we can get into our favorite parts of the week, the goal of the week. Had some bangers. We had a couple in one game with Atlanta and Orlando City. Atlanta United lost that game 3-2 because that's what Atlanta does. But Josh went with one of those goals from the Atlanta-Orlando City game. Josh, which goal from that game, and what was your goal of the week this week? I went with... Marcelino Moreno's goal from that game, which, by the way, it is criminal that MLS decided to pick Joseph Martinez's goal over Marcelino Moreno's. Don't get me wrong. Joseph's goal was fantastic, and I love nothing more than watching him score on Orlando because it is hilarious. That being said, Moreno's goal was so much more impressive. And you know what? Atlanta fans can't even swing the goal of the week vote in Joseph's favor. He's not even leading the vote right now. And I think I won't say who it is because it'll spoil, spoil one of your guys' picks, but the person winning the vote right now has 20% up on Joseph. Granted, it's because fans don't care about Atlanta right now, but also because Joseph's goal was not nearly as impressive as it probably could have been. Drew, what was your goal of the week? First off, did you get major Tito Vialba vibes with that Marcelino banger? That was the first thing I said. Flashbacks. Yep. It was so mm, chef's kiss. Wonderful. So good. Laser beam. Rocket. Yes, but I went with the goal that I think is the one you're referring to as far as leading goal of the week voting. Revolution's bike against the Portland Timbers, I think was the one. It was on ESPN. I think LA Galaxy smacked him around 4-1, I think. But it was an awesome bike off a corner kick. It was awesome. 
big fan of bikes. The kits were awesome that they were wearing, and I think they celebrated by honoring Jonathan Dos Santos's past father, which was awesome, lifting up a jersey with his name on it. So that was awesome to see from the Galaxy. Good goal, good celebration, good result for the Galaxy. So it got my vote for goal of the week. Connor, your goal of the week is pretty hilarious, but also a banger. So why don't you tell us about your goal of the week this week? I love these goals because uh, I think the first person to ever do it was Ronaldinho or the person famous for it. And I loved Ronaldinho. Uh, but I went with Kai Wagner's free kick. He, was it the greatest wall and player lying on the ground ever? No. Did the player on the lying on the ground kind of get out of the way of the ball? Yes, still a banger of a free kick and my goal of the week because we never give defenders scoring enough love and we never give defenders enough love, which leads into my player of the week because I went with a player who should have gotten player of the week and Kosi Tafara, uh, the legend himself who came on the podcast, which will be linked in the description. What can I say? He almost single-handedly won Dallas that game. Uh, I think it was like 13 clearances for him, which is unbelievable. So uh, I'm giving it to Nkosi. Deserved to win it. Did, had it stolen from him. But Drew, who is your player of the week? And we'll finish with the person whose vote actually mattered and who I will yell at. Yes, yeah. My player of the week, speaking of Defenders who don't get enough love. I went with Robert Castellanos. He scored a goal against Toronto FC. One of the weirdest goals in the world off a throw-in. And he had 14 clearances against Toronto FC. How do I know that? That's what I did for my internship today. I looked up and see if that was the league, the leading clearance amount for Nashville FC. And dang it, it was. He beat Walker Zimmerman by one clearance. So Castellanos got a goal and 14 clearances to get a draw on the road. To keep Nashville's unbeaten streak at a number, I probably should know, but I don't. It's a lot. I think it's eight games unbeaten right now. But he almost had two. Dave Romney almost assisted him on another really cool back heel, little flick there, but didn't quite come off. But 14 clearances and a goal. Gets my nod for Mr. Castellanos. Josh, who'd you vote for? Who won? And uh, it looks like you got a you got a fish here on the dock. I guess we got. <laughs> A little MVP action coming from Finding Nemo. Who is your player of the week this week? <laughs> my uh, my first choice was uh, I went with uh, Sylvester Vanderwater at uh, Orlando City. He scored and assisted against Atlanta United in that come from behind three two win for the Lions. So I obviously came away very impressed by him. And my second choice was my obviously absolute favorite player of the league with my favorite team, Carlos Hill of the New England Revolution. He had another two assists, and I think he's up to 14 or 15 assists on the year, which is just insane because we're like just now getting to the halfway point of the season. So the fact that he could very possibly end up with 30 assists is bonkers. Can I just say quick before we move on? It was very nice of you to give the fish water. Oh my gosh. Bang. <laughs> oh man. All right. That was that was so good that I hate it. That's how good that was. Oh, that's the best joke I've ever made. Us, they agree. Oh. So good that you have to hate it. <laughs> Before they both uh do bad things, let's do our games to watch. Josh, I'll let you go first. 
my <laughs> my game to watch. Speaking of the New England Revolution, is New England versus Philadelphia Union. That's on Sunday at six. This is a uh, top of the table clash in the Eastern Conference. Um, well, not so much anymore. Now that I'm looking at the standings, Philadelphia have fallen to fifth, but they're only three points out of second. Um, but could be a great game. Uh, this is a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference semifinal, right? Yeah, semifinal. When I infamously said if Adam Busa scores a hat trick, I would eat a hat. <laughs> it never happened because I was right, even though he managed to get a third of the way there with one goal. Uh, so... The Adam Buxa hat game still lives on. It's happening this Sunday, people. Uh, Drew, what was your, uh, what is your game to watch this weekend? Yes, I went with the game we talked about a little bit earlier. I went with Colorado and SKC Saturday night. Um, pretty high top of the table clash between two teams that are up there in the Western Conference. SKC get to see if they can hold off and go for that first spot again. And Colorado trying to see if they can prove that they belong because they've been flying under the radar, and this is a really good chance to make some noise against a good team. Connor, who is your game of the week? And is it at a baseball field? I went with TFC versus NYCFC. Um, TFC obviously rolling six unbeaten or unbeaten since uh, Javier Perez took over. So we'll see whether or not they can actually finally get a win uh, or another win since I believe their last one, which was against New England. Um, and NYCFC are rolling, so we'll see if they can snap TFC's unbeaten streak uh, and whether or not they can continue their push for the playoffs. But if nobody else has anything to say, Drew, take us out. Yes, thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to us. We really appreciate it. And as always, visit the podcast at MLS, visit the website at MLSmultiplex.com to check out awesome written content from our writers as they cover the league and write some really awesome stories. There's the website MLSmultiplex.com. Uh, visit the website on social media at MLSmultiplex to see stories as they get tweeted live. Um, and like we've been talking about a lot, we want to hype up that Nkosi Tafara podcast as much as possible because it's very important. And good to see him thriving, an awesome person, awesome player. So good, give that a listen. It is linked to the in the podcast bio. So give that a listen. Visit the website and visit the website on social media. And thanks again so much, guys, for listening. And we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.